Ronaldo is ready. Strikes. I wanted to start off this show by being excited like I always am to talk international football, and then Tottenham had to go out and ruin my day, not because I hate Tottenham, but just because Tottenham exists, and the mere existence of them and their whiny fans who have come after me for a week and a half now on social media. It's now time for us to begin our episode of Crossing Broad FC, which is going to be, uh, I'm sure, a 65 to... 85 minute episode maybe 40 who knows uh episode of phil Keitel just rubbing in a lot of uh, my bad calls and i'm here for it and you're here for it we're all here for it crossing broad fc the only philadelphia seven for seven uh international football league podcast based out of philadelphia that's right we talk about seven leagues don't we phil we talk about the champions league sometimes the europa league the epl Serie A, la liga Ligon, the J League, sometimes Air Divisier. Who did I miss? The Bundesliga. Oh man, we're nine for nine. How about that? Maybe we'll even go ten for ten. Anybody want to talk about the North Korean soccer league? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I am uh, on Twitter at Joy on Broad, and of course I'm joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend. The uh, I don't know what, what was your what was your old uh, pseudonym? Was it uh, Patty Patio Dollars uh, himself? And that's Phil Kaidel, who you can find over on Twitter at Phil Kaidel. That's K E I D E L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. I'm just waiting for him to send me and my awful picks straight to hell. Phil. The Patio Dollar pseudonym died a technological death when we couldn't figure out how to get him his own <laughs> listing on the Crossing Broad site. Um, you were listing off the, all the leagues that we talk about. Uh, I don't want to get too far into this without uh, sharing with you a great joke that my son had at my expense tonight. I, I mentioned to him that, you know, Manchester City had won the Premier League. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He said, well, they're still on for the quadruple. I said, no, they're not. They they got eliminated in the Champions League by Tottenham. He goes, no, they're under investigation by UEFA and the <laughs> FA and the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty funny. It's a great feeling. Your Qatari-backed fraudulent nonsensical team we'll get to them in a little while uh, yes. but uh, where do you want to start my friend well let's i mean here again it's a uh, premier league extra here on cbfc uh so let's talk about the champions league uh where the aforementioned tottenham hotspur and feel free to call them by their full name because i think they've earned it um when they're still not going to win the uefa champions league fraudulent get your hopes up for all your fans and then dash them when you end up inevitably underwhelming your fans Tottenham Hotspur. Here's who it? I know for sure isn't winning the Champions League. Real Madrid, <sighs> Barcelona, <sighs> and Ajax, who <sighs> Tottenham Hotspur eliminated uh, after, of course, uh, losing the first leg 1-0 at home. And then you had Ajax uh, up 2-0 after the first half. In the second half, so now at this point, they have an away goal in hand, they have the second leg at home, and they're up 3-0 on aggregate. They hit a post squarely. Hugo Lloris made a save in the dying minutes. And with all of that said, your man, Lucas Mora, with the hat trick for Spurs to put them into the Champions League final. Russ, your thoughts. Lucas Mora, Russ, your thoughts. 
Lucas Moura, we hardly knew the... I actually like Lucas Moura a lot. That was the worst part. Uh, Lucas Moura was one of my favorite players to play with at, on uh, on FIFA back in his PSG days. He was a guy that always tried to acquire an ultimate team. Um, Lucas Moura is a good player. He's better than Harry Kane. And um, as I've mentioned many times before, Harry Kane is the most overrated player in uh, in England. So let's do this thing. Um, You're just flailing about in the I know, ocean. I know. This is like the one time that I've thrown out a take and I'm just going to die. I'll just drown in it. Um, I... Lucas Moore is a good player. Um, I do think like what, what Tottenham has been able to do um, overcoming the injuries that they've had and managing to piece this thing together. And knowing that there, there's been plenty of speculation around uh, uh, around Pochettino's future with the club, I, what they've done has been nothing short of, pr- of pretty darn remarkable in the champions league. Um, I, I just don't, I, I'm not, I'm not a believer in Tottenham. I get that they made it through, Hats off to them, but I got to be honest, I'm so disappointed in the way that these fixtures worked out. Um, just really more than anything, I, I was so bummed to see Ajax go out. Um, I thought Ajax was just in a, in a spot where, like, they were the ultimate Cinderella team. They were a team that was just so fun to watch. They go up 2-0 in this, in this match, and it just felt like everything was breaking their way. And then to see Tottenham come through, and, and like, again more power to them kudos to them for coming back and winning the game and for winning on away goals which i still like i know we've talked about this before but the away goals thing to me is just so bothersome on so many levels um i i i just have such a hard time with this one i mean you're I, not going to give spurs nation their apology are you what apology the only thing you I'm had them ap- out of this listen, tournament the, like three rounds ago the only thing i'm going to apologize to spurs fans for is the fact that their team is going to lose in the final. Like, that. that is my apology. I'm sorry that you're going to get your hopes up and that Tottenham is going to go out and, and let you down. Because, look, as much as people like Pochettino and as much as Manchester United probably still pines for the days of, of pursuing him at the end of the season, Jurgen Klopp is the best manager in England. Yes, I'll say that again for you in the back there, Phil, and for all of your uh, powder blue wearing city supporter friends. Jurgen Klopp is the best manager in England, and he is going to tactically pick apart this this Tottenham squad. And I am I am very confident. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would ride a lot of money on uh, on Liverpool pulling this one out. If this were a wacky FM morning radio show with all this blather that you keep throwing against Tottenham Hotspur, you'd have to make a bet like, if Spurs win the Champions League final, I will fly to London and go to the new stadium and hold a Tottenham scarf aloft over my head and put it on Twitter. I will gladly do it if somebody wants to pay for my flight. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, if we got that to happen, I wouldn't let you stay there because knowing you, uh, it would turn into, uh, yeah, I took the picture, Phil, but uh, I got like five or six other things I got to do. I'm coming back next week. We have to change the ticket. And oh, by the way, I got to extend my hotel room. Is that okay with you? <laughs> put it on Kyle. There we go. Yeah, exactly. He'll be like, uh, where are you going again? I'm going to, to uh, London. Why? Um, it's just it was some thing. shtick. It's a thing. It's a thing. Did you see Harry Kane running around after Mora scored the winner at yeah, the death? Yeah, because he's faking. Because he's embarrassed to wear the jersey. All right, I'm done. I'm done, I promise. I'm done. He I'm might done be trolling. fit for the final. And God forbid he goes out and scores, even in, if he scores one goal in that match. But if he scores the winner... I think we can close the show down. I might have to find another co-host. I mean, this is embarrassing. You're getting worked by Tottenham Hotspur. Worked. It's just, 
look, when they lose, then I'm right. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to like be down on a team because there's only one way that it ends up, you know, that you're wrong and they have to win. This is like your Brett Brown take that you have, you know, it's, yeah, it's I really easy. got shown up on that one it's, this weekend, uh, didn't I? It's it's really easy to uh, to say that somebody's going to be horrible or somebody's awful because the uh, the way for them to kind of disprove your notion is for them to either be like the greatest thing ever or for them to end up winning a title. And the likelihood of that happening is so much lower than it is of them imploding or or having a, a bad ending to their career or or their season. So this is such know. a bad comp, and this is why it's not. You had Spurs leaving this tournament probably in the round of 16, but definitely in the round of eight. And now they're in the final. All I asked of the Sixers head coach, who I won't use the name of because he's, it's beneath me, all I asked is for him to get past the second round with four All-Stars. And he couldn't do that. Well, they weren't all All-Stars this year, Buttercup. Well, okay, fine. Now, now we got to have that conversation. I guess Tobias Harris isn't any good. I guess Jimmy Butler isn't any good. Like, what do you want? Can we turn this back on to the fact yeah, let's, that let's, Ajax, let's get completely, it back to Ajax completely spit the bit in this situation? And it was but, a for, but for the other semifinal, this would have been the worst collapse in the past 10 years. But it's only the second worst collapse because of what happened in the other semifinal. We'll get to that in a minute. Yep. Ajax only really lost this because they only knew one way to play, which yep. is on the front foot, pouring forward, and... You know, God bless their manager for deciding that the best defense is a good offense. But man, you have a away goal in your back pocket, and you're up three nil at home with 45 minutes left. Might be a good time to have the striker hang out at the midfield stripe, and everybody else be behind the ball, yep. and just make Tottenham, who by the way doesn't have Kane as a target man, right, is obviously bereft of confidence because they've been shut out through three halves in this tie. Just close it down, man. But Ajax refused to do that. They were going to, quote-unquote, win their way. They were going to go for the kill in it. Yep, and it didn't work out. Now, all that being said, like, again, Lloris made an unbelievable save in extra time, and Ajax hit a post. I mean, again, the smallest margins at the highest levels. We're going to talk about that a lot in this show. But Ajax gets one more goal, and it is the kill. And you get to get on here and stick Tottenham Hotspur right up my nose. But unfortunately for you, not so much. Yeah, well, um, how much more do you want to go on about Tottenham? Or can we move to the other fixture? Oh, let's go to the other fixture because well, this it's is, just so more this good is, times so this for was, me. This was, the good, uh, this was the good, the really good, the excellent transition, um, the segue that you would kind of set up here. If only one more goal, you end up going through. Remember back in the first leg of the Camp Nou where Barca's up 3-0 and uh, Dembele gets a wide-open shot from probably two yards beyond and one yard to the right of the penalty spot. It's set up for a 4-0 victory for Barcelona, and he kicks it right into the keeper's chest. And in that moment, and I'm pretty sure that we said on this show, that probably wouldn't come back to bite them, but it could, because he could have iced the entire tie. And instead, it left the door just open enough for something to go absolutely bonkers at Anfield. And that's exactly what happened. Well, you're bearing the lead. Liverpool win at Anfield 4-0 over Barcelona. 4-0 over Barcelona. Yep. Now, here's the other thing I'll say. The Dembele miss is pretty horrifying, but the way Barcelona played in this match, even if they had scored four in Spain, I'm not really sure they could have kept Liverpool from scoring five. I mean, you remember, Liverpool got the fourth with about 15 minutes left. 
if they didn't needed one more, they probably would have gotten it. Barcelona looked terrified. They looked frozen. They looked confused. They're all waiting around for Suarez and Messi to do something. And those two guys are looking at the other eight plus the keeper and being like, yo, I need some help or we're leaving. And that's exactly what happened. Wait, which, uh, who was the second name that you mentioned? For Barcelona, uh, they were Suarez, the Lino guy, Messi, the, the guy who bites people, and who was the other one? Lionel Messi. Oh, you mean just the guy who bites well, when the greatest player all the, in the chips world. are on the table? The greatest player in the world. Oh, is he? Hmm. Well, he's not when it when it all uh, when it all matters, is he, Phil? Possibly. He came up small in last in last year's World Cup, as he typically tends to do. And um, well, Argentina with, stinks, though. To be with, fair, oh, here we go again. And, uh, you know, with the possibility, with it really sitting out there, that all you have to do is maybe score a goal to put this thing away, Barcelona just puts on the ultimate choke job. I mean, you want to talk about, like, a transcendent talent, an all-time great not showing up? I mean, was it amazing to watch Messi score his 600th goal from Barcelona on a free kick? Absolutely. Has he played out of his mind in, in recent weeks? Sure. But, like, you needed your your greatest player in your club's history, maybe the greatest player in Spanish league history to like step up and, and, and make a play. And it didn't happen. And wait a minute. What? He helped stake them to a three nil lead in this tie. Yeah. All they had to do was lose two nothing and they couldn't even figure that out. Yep. That's not his fault. What were the, it's uh, not his fault. What were, what, pff, he's one of the guys on the field, isn't he? Yeah. But he's also not, charged with significant defensive responsibilities and you should know something about that since Ronaldo's your favorite player to ever live great it's defensive not really player. Messi's it's not underrated really Messi's, defensive player Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> it's not really Messi's job to be tracking back and chasing down balls in the midfield okay He's, but he can so, do it that's what he did the entire world cup for his team he played out of position to go back and try to help defensively it's not that he can't do it it's that they don't task him with doing so and maybe for better or worse, it's something that he should have been tasked with doing because, quite frankly, they just weren't getting enough out of the midfield in terms of possession, in terms of control, and in terms of, you know, um, still bringing some kind of an attack forward that was formidable. I, I, I don't know. I feel like at halftime there had to be an adjustment made, and it wasn't. And, and like I said, Klopp is the best manager. If you if you want to say the second best manager in England, then fine. But he's one of, what, the top five managers in all of Europe. He made the adjustments, and his team won. You know? Here's something that I'll just add quickly in Messi's defense. And again, I'm not really a Messi fanboy, but you put me in this corner every time we have these conversations. We neglect to remember that all of these players, but especially players like Messi, are on their like 21st or 22nd consecutive month of high effort, high octane, high pressure football on a world stage between the prior season, the World Cup, and now the season that came hot on the heels, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably asking a lot for Messi at his advanced age. And I look, players play into their mid-30s now, and I get it. But he's not what he was. It's asking too much after he puts them up 3-0 through the first leg of the tie to then say, oh, by the way, we need you to go out and play basically a glorified CDM role in this match against Liverpool. That's ridiculous, and it's a waste of his talent. It might be a waste of his talent, but if it's a, if it's the task they needed him to do, then they needed to put him there, and they didn't. And so... Um, you're blaming him and not the other. No, look, you can blame the other ten guys on the pitch. I mean, Luis silly. Suarez not being able to get anything going, like that's also on him. Absolutely. Uh, when you have a, a when there's a guy, there's a guy who's never like, won anything. When you have a team that's got the depth, where you've got Arturo Vidal, um, sometimes coming in as a sub, like to you know put it together. 
And when you got a three nil lead, like that's the thing, like you got this three nil lead, and it was funny because it was uh, it was Arsene Wenger before the game who who you know essentially issued the uh, the warning to Barcelona that if there's one place in Europe that you don't want to play, if there's one place that you should be afraid of having to play uh, with their backs against the wall, it's Liverpool at Anfield. And like Arsene Wenger's not usually right about much, but he was right about that pregame on like I think it was uh, BN's coverage in Europe. It. It, it was so true, and you look at this, and it was just... Anfield was such a special place to play that night, and Liverpool rose to the occasion. There is no other way to put it. This wasn't... I think you, you know, for as, as much as we want to get on Barcelona for not getting the job done, I mean, I think you've almost got to give even more credit to Liverpool for pulling this one out. I mean, they were missing Salah, right? Like, it, it was kind of a similar thing to, like, what Tottenham did, right? Like, you're missing your top scorer. You're missing probably the best player on your team. And maybe in a way that ended up helping both of these clubs, right? Like, you can't just hone in on one guy because you're trying to get, you know, a uh, an attack by committee. Now, it just so happened that for Tottenham, it was Lucas Moura who did all the damage. But, like, you look at the Liverpool side of things, and it's like it's it's contributions from multiple players. It's it's the belief that despite having your best player out, you can still go out and, and you know, raise your, your team's collective game to new levels. And, you know, kudos to Liverpool, man. Like, it, it, was, uh, it was something that neither of us predicted. But it's something that they ultimately earned. In the show sheet, and you'll have to save the tape on this, I pointed out that at this moment, I would give the nod to Klopp over Guardiola. And that's speaking as a Manchester City supporter and somebody who's enjoying the fruits of another Premier League title. But what Klopp has done with this club, which, candidly, for obvious reasons, doesn't have the same resources that City has to play with, and therefore has to rely upon and manage the minutes of the great players that they have on hand, for him to overturn a 3-0 against Barcelona with Lionel Messi and have a brace from Divock Origi, who was kind of a punchline, and Ginny Wijnaldum, who he only brought on as a sub, it's just unbelievable. And if you recall the fourth goal, it comes from... Trent Alexander-Arnold is either 19 or 20 now. I don't know which, but he's very young, right? And Klopp has turned him into an absolute weapon. Alexander-Arnold is setting up for a corner, and it looks like he's going to walk away from it. And then he sees something which must have been trained into him during practice sessions or film or whatnot. But he sees that all the Barcelona players are switched off in a match that is now 3-0, and even on goals with about 15 minutes left, he sees that also all the Barcelona players are switched off, not looking at him. And he says, well, it's a corner kick. Nobody's offside. And he hits Origi right in the foot. And Origi slams it home and it's 4-3. And all of the Barcelona players look around like, well, that's not a, a fair corner. They were, you know, the ball had gone out of play and it was still moving. But no, that's not how it goes. Like once that ball is in the control of the ball boy and it's no longer, as soon as the referee puts that ball in play, if you're not paying attention, that's just on you. And that is a goal that I'm not sure Guardiola City scores. I think Guardiola City is much more careful and process-oriented and technical. And Klopp just has instilled in his players this unbelievable continuing belief and strength and opportunism and the belief that whichever 11 he puts on the pitch on a given day can win especially at Anfield 
So for the moment, as much as I love Guardiola, and I hope Guardiola stays for another few years, I'm not sure he will, um, you got to give it to Klopp. It's unbelievable. It's incredible what he's done. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Just for now. Like, I think credit credit where credit's due. Remember, Klopp's club, uh, despite finishing skin in the EPL race, which we'll get to a little bit later, only lost one match in league play. Like, you want to you want to talk about an, an absolutely remarkable season for, you know, your domestic league and at the uh, international stage with the Champions League. This this club, the way that they that they performed all season long. I mean, hats off to Klopp, man. Like, it's it's one of the more re- remarkable things to see. Now, the goal that you just talked about, like, that's the kind of mat, like the the kind of uh, goal that you would see in like a, a Y game, right, or like some kind of pickup game. U fourteen, U thirteen for sure. It's just so tactically aware. It's so aware. It's the the it's this, it's the awareness in the moment. But it depends and it's on. Not, it's not a cheap goal. Yeah. But it depends on the lack of awareness. It's a lack of awareness on the team that is not paying attention to let it happen. And again, you know, my, I've said this many times. My son plays U thirteen soccer. I've been watching him play U soccer for four or five years. That's the sort of goals that kids give up, kids, because, you know, they're children and they switch off and they're not getting paid and it doesn't really matter. Barcelona is stocked with some of the highest paid, most decorated professionals in the history of the game, and none of them were ready for that corner. Not one. Not even a keeper. By the way, uh, NBCSN showed a graphic talking about Liverpool's season and the amazing season they had in the league. Uh, only losing once, and of mm-hmm. course it was to City, the ultimate champion. Um, the other two teams they showed on the graphic, and I don't remember the years or the teams, one of them was, of course, the uh, the Invincibles, the Arsenal team. They won the league by double digits. And I believe it was actually a Chelsea side that also lost only once, and that side won the league by double digits. And Liverpool lost exactly once and lost the league by a point. It is unfathomable that... That could happen, but it took City winning 14 straight league matches for it to happen. And credit to Liverpool, who won nine straight and just came up that little tiny bit short. But sticking with the Liverpool Champions League campaign, you can't be more impressed with what they've done. Now they have Salah back for the final. Uh, Van Dijk is still just a rock. Allison in, in, in the net is really special. Uh, and essentially, Ederson and Allison are 1-1A one one uh, in the Prem. Um, this is going to be a fun final. Now, I, I know you don't care for Spurs, and I know you probably would have preferred Ajax in the final. But I think in terms of competitiveness and uncertainty in terms of who will win this Champions League final, it's preferable that Spurs is in it because Spurs and Liverpool see each other all the time. There are no secrets, yeah. and it's a lot less predictable. Especially no, I think you're right. Plays. It's just... I. I... I say this all the time. I don't like when the final of the Champions League or even the Europa League are played between two teams from the same league. I just don't think there's nearly as much intrigue. Like, I get the idea of these teams have seen each other, so you're you're going to throw things against the wall. You're going to try new things because you're going to try to, like, um, you know, take advantage of some things that you might have caught tactically that you thought, you know, maybe you blew it in one game and, and you want to go out and try something else and, and tinker. Like, I get it. But, like, even... Back in like, um, was it 2015? Was the Madrid derby uh, in the Champions League final? Like, I, I thought it was. I thought it was fine, but I wasn't all that thrilled. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of um, of um, teams of the same country 
uh, playing in the the final together. That was the second time, and I think it was wasn't second time in three years. I think that we had a Madrid derby, and that was on the heels of Der Klassiker with Bayern and Dortmund in 2012, 13, if I remember correctly. So like you look at it, and it's like the the idea of what the Champions League is and what it should be to me is seeing champions of Europe going head to head, and preferably not from the same nation. And so again, like Ajax was just such a cool story. They played, like you said before, they played on the front foot. You know, they they kind of went down. They lived by the sword. They died by the sword. And I get it. And, and you know, again, they, they couldn't do a good enough job of sealing it off. They refused to change their style of play. And that's the same thing that killed, in a sense, Real Madrid and Juventus, who they had, had slayed themselves, because they wouldn't adjust their style of play either. And, you know, it, it's just a shame. We had this conversation last time, though. UEFA can't do any more than set up. And I'm not saying that UEFA fixed it at all. What I'm saying is Ajax went into their match with an away goal in pocket and then scored twice in the first half. By all rights, that should be Ajax's place in the final. Barcelona went to Anfield up 3-0. By all rights, that should be Barcelona's place in the final. If this were Barcelona and Ajax in the final, that whole speech you just gave about how disappointing it is for two teams from the same league to go and contest the Champions League final and what a letdown that is. Well, who's to blame, Russ? Are you going to blame Liverpool and Tottenham for doing their jobs, or are you going to blame Ajax and Barcelona for throwing up on themselves? Yeah, I think right. that's an easy call. You're right. It's just like, I, I get it. I just think it's a shame. So is it fair to say that Barcelona is yeah, just a fancier think, PSG at this point? Yeah. The way that they're bombing out yeah, of Barcelona's a bunch of frauds. Yeah, sure. Yeah, action I'm here in consecutive for seasons. Yeah. I like the call. It's good. You know, Neymar, I mean, Neymar went from, Barcelona. Uh, from glorified PSG to actual PSG. And what happened at the end? Neither of them were in the final. Okay. Neither is Real Madrid. I know. So now is that moment in the show that you've already been forewarned about. I need you to concede what I've been saying for months now, which is that the Premier League in England is the best league in the nope. world. Say it. Say it. I, re- I refuse. <laughs> Look, when when I'm what is wrong, your evidence I'll admit otherwise? That I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong on this. All right, I think the uh, the EPL had a wow. really good year. The EPL was the best league this year. I will concede that. The EPL was the best league this year. They had the most interesting uh, stretch run to uh, to get to the winner of the league this season. The intrigue from week to week of Manchester City and Liverpool at the top of the table was. Uh, was some fodder for you know probably the next 10 years we'll we'll look back on this season and talk about the year that was and and what a remarkable season Liverpool had um for even for finishing in second but like the idea that because of one season the EPL somehow because they were finally able to exercise some demons some ghosts of of uh you know Champions League past the fact that they you know finally got it together this one year now I'm all of a sudden supposed to say that they're the best league and and they're going to continue to be going forward. Like, give me a break. All right. England, you know, had Liverpool in last, last season's champions league final and that swell and all of the English elites were out, you know, thumping their chest about the fact that, no, you know, you got uh, Tottenham Hotspur and you got Liverpool in the Champions League final, but you also got uh, over down in the Europa league. Yeah. You got like, uh, what was it? Chelsea. Who's Chelsea playing, Phil? They're playing Arsenal. Arsenal. The Gunners, the you know, Gunners. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's an England, England final. Yeah, yeah, UK, UK. Well, you know what? Um, you can 
tell me the last time England had a uh, representative in the Champions League final. I'll wait. It was Chelsea back in 2011-2012 when they played Bayern Munich, right? Yeah. A yep. representative? No, I said, I said that Liverpool before. lost last so year. La- Liverpool last year. Before that, it was Chelsea in 2011-2012. Whoop-de-freaking-do. They won, didn't do. they? It was eight years ago. But they won, right? No, but wait, didn't Bayern win I'm that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Am I crazy? No, it was Chelsea. You're right. Well, Chelsea, Chelsea won a Champions League with Di Matteo running the show. And, of course, he didn't stick around. You'll enjoy Hitafe in the Champions League next year mm. if you're a La Liga mm. fan. That's mm. hot. Sure is. Uh, by the way, for all the English, for, for all the... Uh, Real Madrid for all is the, third. For, third. They're, for they're all 18 the English points behind Barcelona. Like super stoked about, uh, about England having both representatives. If you're if you're wondering if you were if you were alive back in 2007, that was the last time uh, two English teams faced off in the Champions League final, United and Chelsea. How great is that? So great. I'm just like I'm I'm not here for it, man. I'm really not. Like, it's great. I'll say it again one more time. The Premier League, this season, greatest league in the world. Save the tape. Yeah. Speaking of the Premier League, well, before we go to that. Uh, who do you like in the final? <laughs> We've kind of been like the mush here collectively. You and I have agreed on everything. I'm gonna go with Liverpool. You know, I, 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 I cannot bring myself to say that Tottenham is gonna pull it off. They might. I mean, hell, I've been so wrong about Tottenham this whole time. Tottenham's it's gonna a one just off. be That's the like magic they're gonna it. go out and like win six nil, aren't they? I'm just kidding. You yeah. said that Man City. Would eliminate yep. Spurs. They should have three on average. again. Guardiola, Guardiola, eight let me three. down. Your manager is not that great. All right, that's fine. Uh, I also like Liverpool, but for obvious show-related reasons, I will be wearing my Tottenham Hotspur scarf during the Champions League final, even if it's ninety degrees outside and it doesn't look like it's going to be that way anytime soon. Um, but of course, I've seen a match. Uh, in England, the only match I've ever seen over there was Spurs and West Brom, which was about as exciting as you can imagine. Uh, but I picked up some swag while I was there, and one of the pieces is a Spurs scarf, which I will be donning during that Champions League final, hoping that Potch and the boys summon up one more bit of magic. To I just want to say something really quick, Phil. You know, we knew that Tottenham could have uh, Tottenham was in a spot where um, they probably should have lost to Ajax, right? And now you look at this champ you look you look they at should have lost you look city. at this uh, forget about Ajax. Look at this they should have lost the city. fixture, right? You look at the final. Liverpool. They're coming back. They lost last season in the final. Let me switch it. Let me switch to English. They got cheated. Liverpool. They got cheated. They had a great season last year. They were in the final. A lot of questions about could they make their way back? Could they represent England? Make a final again. They're there. Oh, they're lining up against Lionel Messi in Barcelona. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. They did it. They did it. They, they, they did it. You sound they like a it, Ricky yeah. Jervis impersonator. Liverpool in the final, defeated Barcelona. They're looking at Ajax, a good young up-and-coming team, but one that Jurgen Klopp's men should defeat. Uh, oh, oh dear, who's that? Who's that? Is that a tie-dye team? Is that a team wearing a kit with a tie-dye? Oh, it is. It's Tottenham Hotspur. The only thing that looks worse than Tottenham Hotspur being listed in the final of the Champions League are most of those English fans wearing those skin-tight tie-dye jerseys. 
That's at Joy on Broad. Bring it. So before we leave the Champions League, uh, and again, I'll be rooting for Spurs, but I agree with you. I think it's probably Liverpool's title. Uh, And we alluded to this briefly earlier. Manchester City today, a day after winning the Premier League title in one of the great races in the history of that league, uh, was again threatened with a Champions League ban for misleading UEFA with regard to sponsorship agreements that fund many of their transfer activities. Um, the thing is, they're all dirty. I mean, City is just the dirtiest. They do it the most egregiously, and they pour the most money into it. Everybody's cheating. They just happen to be the most horrific of the cheaters. And as such, UEFA's making noise about trying to ban them from yeah, the Champions League possibly uh, next season, PSG. possibly like every year PSG and it didn't really What do PSG's yeah, ownership really and, and uh, City's ownership have in common? Uh, oil money that you and I could not earn yep, in that's about it. 10 million lifetimes or a billion lifetimes. Let's put it that way. Um, and by the way, the reason PSG got off is the same reason that City will probably get off, which as an attorney, I can tell you it's all about the legal challenge. <laughs> Attorneys are expensive. Attorneys tie things up. And most importantly, attorneys uncover things in discovery that you don't want to show. (laughs) And so eventually, you get in a position, if you're UEFA, where you're like, well, you know, City's a bunch of scumbags, and it's really terrible that they're still doing what they're doing. But, man, if we take this into some kind of, like, court of sport internationally or, or, God forbid, some other tribunal, and some judge makes us show our internal memoranda and our expenses and all the money we're stealing, that's not good for us. So maybe we'll just slap City mm. on the wrist again and just call it a day. That's when you where match this corruption is with your own corruption and realize your corruption is worse than the other corruption. So you corruptly. And more importantly, more importantly, City's corruption is funded with deeper pockets yep. than UEFA's corruption is funded with. That's what it comes down to. And the dudes on UEFA who are cheating and corrupt and stealing they don't have the ability to sustain themselves mm-hmm. if it all goes away whereas if city gets yanked out of the champions league for a season or two yeah it's a setback but so what <laughs> as soon as they're reinstated they're gonna go right back to what they're doing because it just doesn't matter yeah. the money is there forever and with that why don't we talk about the end of the premier league russ because i know you were waiting for this um, I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. how it turned out. Uh, there was a great deal of mm-hmm. buildup by NBC, mm-hmm. uh, the national broadcasting company, who has, of course, mm-hmm. NBC, NBCSN and NBC and their whole cavalcade and uh, group of networks that broadcast CNBC. every last was on Premier MSNBC? match on what they called sci-fi, cool. CNBC, MSNBC. I think they yanked the Golf Channel into it. I'm not really sure. Um, but, of course, yeah. they called it Championship Sunday. Uh, and the reason they called it Championship Sunday, of course, was because um, City held the lead, but if they dropped points and Liverpool won, Liverpool, the darling, the club that NBC burned to have win this title and finally raised the Premier League trophy after all these years and epics of just painful depression and Liverpool fans remembering Gerard slipping and all of the stuff that's gone before. And, and wouldn't it be great to raise up the echoes of the first division when Liverpool ruled the world? NBC had absolutely loaded up the coverage for if City blows this at Brighton and Hove Albion, Albion 
we are going to do six hours of Liverpool coverage. And don't you know, Russ, for about a half an hour, it looked like NBC was going to get its wish because Liverpool scored first against Wolverhampton, who, by the way, disgraceful no-show from Wolverhampton. Liverpool scores first at Anfield. Anfield is rocking. Minutes later, Glenn Murray knocks in a header, an uncontested header at the Amex, and Brighton is up 1-0. And all of a sudden, Arlo White has essentially the biggest Woodrow he has ever had behind a microphone. And the broadcast team at the Amex is saying, this, could this be the goal that swings the title? It took about 80 seconds for Sergio Aguero to level that match against Brighton. And it took another 15 minutes for Imeric Laporte to knock in a header, and this was the beauty part of this, off a corner that Glenn Murray created by playing a ball back into his own 18, which caused, as you can imagine, comedic chaos, led to a corner. And Laporte was the guy Murray was supposed to be marking when Laporte scored the goal. So he giveth and he taketh away. And once City went up 2-1 and took the 2-1 lead to halftime, NBC held on to hope, but I think everybody knew what was coming. And what was coming, Russ, what was coming was Riyad Mahrez. The City signing that they had wildly overspent for in the offseason, who frankly underperformed and wasn't very good most of the season. And yet Guardiola decided to pick for the most important match of the season because that's what Guardiola does. Did you What's did you that, see Phil? what Mares did? Oh. Well, he scored, Russ. He scored the third goal on a unbelievable switch play where he was carrying the ball to his left, and then he broke the defender's ankles, put it onto his right foot, and poked it into the top corner for a 3-1 lead. And at that point, Anfield turned into a morgue. It turned into your public library at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday when everybody's at work. It was the saddest quietest not you were so smart you ever heard in your life and the reds were running around and they were trying to score again and they were just patting themselves on the back and saying that they had done such a great job but they knew russ they knew they knew it was over and if they didn't know it was over when ilkay gundawan popped in a free kick in the same damn corner to make it 4-1 then they really knew and they listened it was a great race we all enjoyed it. But didn't we all know where this was headed? Didn't we all know what was going to happen? Didn't we all know who the best team in England is? Uh, it's Manchester City. Thoughts? Nope, let's move on to League Un. Um, so, uh, just kidding. It was, uh, that, that was something. That was something you did there. That was the thing. Um, look, I, oh, was it? Unscripted. Proud of you. Oh, it was unscripted, really? Unscripted. Proud of you. Did I hear the... Uh, unscripted. Did I hear a large ice cube from the and heart. a glass of bourbon just uh, clanging around over there? Oh, okay. I'm I know. That's scotch, first of all. And I wasn't going to have anything tonight until City put the beating on Brighton that they fully deserved. And until all those Liverpool players and Klopp and all the supporters in the cop and everybody saying you'll never walk alone gave themselves the moral victory talk for about two hours after You know what I thought was uh, the best story of the... Uh, of the weekend that came out of the out of uh, Anfield, especially. Tell me, I loved, 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 loved the Wolves fans at Anfield starting the uh, the fake celebration uh, about a, a Brighton goal to to mess with yeah, the Liverpool excellent. players and the Liverpool fans because it constantly you could just hear that it was uh, it was building the the volume was building and it was causing such unease with uh, 
with the Liverpool fans. Everybody was getting excited. Yep, exactly. And they're all furiously they, all checking the their Liverpool phones. All the Liverpool chants ended. Everybody <laughs> checks their phones, and they figure out that Wolves punked them again. And it was just like, uh, what was it, Peppermint Patty? Is she always the one who would pull the ball out from Charlie Brown? Uh, Lucy. No, that's Lucy. Oh, that's Lucy, Lucy keeps you're pulling too, the ball out. for that. And, you uh, that no, Peppermint Patty wanted oh, some she? Charlie Brown in the worst way, man. She had it bad. Oh, she had it bad. All right, Lucy, so Lucy was a huge tease. She was Lucy the one that showed the football and always pulled it away. Oh, this just got... This just got... This, she was dirty, this Lucy. Just got she really was dirty. <laughs> so Lucy... Lucy kept pulling the football out. Oh, we're not and, done. Uh, yeah, it was funny. It was just really funny to watch Liverpool fans continue to fall for it time and time again. But they didn't just do that. Russ, they didn't just do that. When Once the Liverpool supporters knew that it was 4-1 at the Amex and that the, the jig was up, the Wolves fans started singing Raheem Ter- Sterling, he's top of the league. Yep. Raheem Sterling, he's top of the league. And, of course, you know where did be, City pick be, him up from? Liverpool. Oh, yep. That's right. He was a Liverpool player, wasn't he? You would wow. So. That's got to hurt, right? Because... Sterling, and the funny part is, Brendan Rodgers couldn't get Raheem Sterling to get the ball out of his goddamn feet. And Pep Guardiola has turned Sterling into one of the most lethal, lethal finishers in the whole league and one of the best young, in fact, the best young player in Europe pursuant to the most recent awards, which is a joke because he's been playing for so long. But in any event, it's got to sting a little bit, right? If you're Liverpool, you sold Sterling to the yeah. team that beat you by a point for the league this year. That's got to be tough, yeah. right? That's a tough I one guess. to take, I would say. I guess. Ouch. I guess. Ouch, babe. I'm having so much fun. Can we do this for another half an hour? Prefer not to. Probably not. So just to put it in perspective, um, City repeat as champions of the Premier Mm -hmm. League, which is really hard to do, as you know. Uh, They scored – they had 100 points last year. They had 98 this year. And, like, who could you favor to beat them next season? Maybe Liverpool, but who else? Who's a serious threat I'll tell you to, one who's to not. pull the three-peat? Somebody who's not a, uh, a legit challenger for the uh, for the league. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't going to go Tottenham. I wasn't, I promise. If, uh, if you okay. look up EPL table on Google, they give you the first five teams. And there is one massive team missing. And that team... Are you I'm, talking about the team who lost you at know, home not to only relegated am I talking part about of City? Phil, I'm talking to all those people out there who like to say that Manchester is red. I think Manchester is dead on that side of the city. Well, I mean, no. Wait a minute. Wait okay. a minute. Cardiff wears red sometimes. So in that way, the Manchester mm. United supporters definitely have a point. Mm. Manchester can be red when Cardiff just, comes and oh beats you 2 nil. Like, <laughs> Ole's at the wheel. Ole's, oh, I'm glad Ole's we said at, at the, the wheel, time. all right. Ole's at the wheel. Yep. That's working really, really well, isn't it? Can Let me point out. Always at the Unite- wheel. The way, the way when you're at a bachelor party, your one buddy says he's going to be the designated driver, but every he's time you look over, he's having a beer, and you think, some, uh, well, I guess he's okay. Off of some guy's belly named Tiny. Yeah. And then it's two forty-five a.m. and you got to get home, and your designated driver is like the eyes like are Brand spinning, Stark under a wear and one. he can barely stand up, and he's like, I got yep. this. That's Not Ollie. Good. Not good. That's Ollie in a nutshell. He, he was quoted after yesterday's match as saying, the best thing I can say is that the season is over. That's really instilling that's confidence. Gonna make, that's going to make the, uh, the board, I'm sure, group. very excited. United in their last five I'm games. I'm sure Paul uh, Pogba. Play. Loss, draw, draw, loss, loss. I mean, Cardiff. by the way, Who had for, literally for those wondering out there, 
how bad was that finish for United? You would have to go all the way to 16th place, 16th placed Southampton to find another team that did not win a game in one of their last five. As a matter of fact, Southampton had a better finish to the season uh, in, in league play. They only had two losses and three draws. The only team, hold on, Phil, just the that. only team in the last five games to lose three of five and have two draws was the relegated 20th placed Huddersfield. Put that in perspective. Who, by the way, Southampton played Huddersfield yesterday, and the only reason Southampton didn't win that match is because they're like fourth string keeper who they played because the match meant nothing. Tripped on the ball in his, inside his own six and gave up a goal mm-hmm. again that you would see in a youth game. Otherwise, Southampton wins that match, and United has the worst finish in the form table of any side in the league. On merit, they're effing horrible, and it's enjoyable. Yeah, Manchester's red, but yep. only when a team that wears red comes and wins. Yep. That's it. I I, I have nothing else to say. I, I have a buddy who's a huge United fan, and I, he's even making jokes today about how bad United is or is at this point it's not good it's not good phil it so let's wrap this up city wins the league liverpool a valiant second uh tottenham hotspur grabbed the last champions league place that was guaranteed of course chelsea had cinched theirs up a little while back Uh, but uh, arsenal still has a path to champions league football because they are playing in the europa league final against chelsea where are they playing that match russ where, Phil? They're playing that Europa League final in a place that I had frankly never heard of. Now, Kevin Kincaid probably could not only tell you where this place is, but he could tell you they're leading six exports, the three or four top languages that are spoken there, and their currency. Uh, they're playing this Europa League final in a place called Baku, mm. Azerbaijan, which I had to look at the map to find, and it helped me not at all. I looked at the map and I said, that doesn't even look like a place. I mean, there's a body of water there. I think it's the Caspian Sea. Uh, but it's not a place that I would necessarily pick to play a league, or pardon me, a, a tournament final where they're going to give away a trophy that it comes with a Champions League place. Um, but that's where all these folks are going now. How much How much Europa League um, research have you done in, in advance of the show? I haven't paid all that much attention to it. Um, I, I, here's here's the one good thing, though. I like Great. that Unai Emery has come out multiple times now and questioned why that's where they're playing the uh, Europa League final. Well, there's a couple of pieces here. So first of all, um, the stadium holds like 70,000 people. Would you like to guess what the ticket allotments were to the Chelsea Go and on. Arsenal supporters groups? 6,000 tickets okay. per supporters group. And the rationale that was given was that the infrastructure and the airports and everything else in Baku have no chance to deal with an influx of people that would support that many people turning up at this stadium who are not from the immediate area. That's point one that sort of raises questions as to whether this was the best choice to hold the Europa League final in this place. Secondly, Arsenal has a player named Henrik Mkhitaryan, who, while he's not a superstar, is kind of important to what they do and is the sort of player you would definitely want to put into a Europa League final because he could make one moment of magic and turn the whole thing your way. Well, unfortunately, he's Armenian and 
It remains an open question right now as we talk about this Europa League final whether Mkhitaryan will even make the trip, much less play, because of the tensions between Armenia Fun. and Azerbaijan. Again, nope. not a great look. Not what we're hoping for in 2019. I mean, this is some 1930s-ish that we're talking about here. But, oh no. Uh, again, the capacity for international football to embarrass and make shame upon itself, basically boundless. And every time you feel like you've hit rock bottom, uh, you take your shovel out and the rock breaks and yep. there's just another bottom underneath it. it. It is amazing how much this sport continues to get in front of itself, get it in its own way. Anyway. Where to? What part of the world would you like to go to? Go to the Caribbean. Talk about La Liga for a few days, all inclusive. Kick my feet up, strawberry daiquiri. (laughs) You mean after your London trip when you're holding the Spurs scarf over your head? Burning it, burn them all," said Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, Let's go to uh, let's go to Bundesliga. Well, that's a good call uh, because the Bundesliga has another one of these races that's coming down to the very, very end. Uh, Bayern München. Your favorite side. Yeah, Downsends and uh, yes, Süddeutschland. With a two-point lead, two lead over Borussia mm-hmm. Dortmund with one match left. Um, good news for Dortmund. Christian Pulisic scored in Dortmund's win over Dusseldorf uh, to give that supporters group something to remember him by. Of course, he's headed to Chelsea next season. we remember. Sorry, go ahead. That's the good news for the Dortmund folks. The bad news is they're two points back of Bayern, and Bayern is hosting Eintracht, uh, of course, who just spit up their uh, Europa League semifinal and now have to go to Bayern to try and uh, salvage something. Um, Dortmund is away to Mönchengladbach. Um, Anything is possible, as we know, uh, but as we saw over the weekend with City and Liverpool, you can wish for a result to go a certain way, but the probabilities usually bear out. And the idea of Bayern dropping points against Eintracht mm-hmm. is quasi-ridiculous. And it's just as likely that Dortmund will draw or lose at Mönchengladbach. So your favorite side, the aging and yet timeless Bayern Munich, is probably going and to win there they the are. Bundesliga. And here it is. And once again, the cream rises to the top. We might need to stop talking about the Bundesliga as much as we do, and which is not even that much, until somebody makes a move yep. to actually it is a shame like y- even if you look forward to to next season i don't know if to, if uh dortmund's going to be able to put together a, a race that's quite this close and you have to remember that a lot of this came because byron started off so slow um and and dortmund just was unable to, Again, to maintain their play because yeah. they didn't they didn't turn it on because they didn't yep. care they weren't worried they're like well we can spot these guys 10 the last iteration of we'll, their classic we'll is really back. what uh what ultimately likely will have killed Borussia Dortmund's chances of uh, of hoisting the trophy at the end of this uh, season. I don't think there's much more to talk about in the Bundesliga to be honest. Let's Well, when you're t- when you're trying to compare the Bundesliga to say the Premier not League, this year there's not there really Phil, isn't a comparison. So there's probably not much more Let's to go say. to a league that is always competitive except for at the top. And I'm not talking about League 1. I'm talking about Serie A. Juventus, for those of you who didn't know, won yet another Scudetto. But there is some intrigue, Phil. Well, there sure is. So I'm, I'm taking a quick look at the table. You probably heard my mouse click. Juventus at 89 points. They've already sealed it up. They raised their trophy. Ronaldo right. wins yet another domestic league and yet another country that. while Lionel Messi 
still hangs out in Spain. One, as I said, um, when Ronaldo is, is he, he was a half a step slow for La Liga, so he went to Serie A. When he's another half a step slow, there's the A-League. And when he's another half step slow, there's MLS. So I think we'd be watching Ronaldo play at least Sounds until he's 30 me, or 40. <laughs> How oh, good so would Ronaldo good. look in a union They don't need him, though. Shirt? Top of the table, top of the table, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union. I say. It would be a, an embarrassment of riches. All right, so returning very quickly um, to your beloved Serie A here. Napoli at 76, they're free and clear and through. But after that, <laughs> it gets kind of sexy. Um, there's First four cover, teams cover here. Patty was dirty. Inter Milan. And now, and now third place is sexy. Atalanta. I always thought Atalanta was like a child story about a girl who won a race, but apparently it's a team I always thought it was a Serie typo a. of the Who the hell uh, knew? Like, I learned something new. Georgia, but who knew? Precisely, like the most important airport in the southern uh, United States. No, Atalanta is not only is it not just a fairy tale or an airport, it's an actual football club. And look at them. They're in fourth place. They get 65 points. They, they are Right now, they hold the fourth Champions League place in Serie A, Atalanta. Let me be brutally honest with our um, listeners who probably will not be surprised to hear this. I couldn't name an Atalanta player for a million dollars. Not one. All right, so there's AC Milan with 62 points. They're in fifth, along with Roma. Also, um, they're in sixth on a goal difference. Um, yeah, those four teams all won their 36th match. Of course, there's 38 matches. So with two matches to play, these last two Champions League places are wide open. Now, if pushed, I don't think Inter is giving theirs up. Um, but I kind of doubt Atalanta is going to pull Well, I think off. Atalanta sat Thomas? down and, and told, uh, told his dad, Dad! I can make the Champions League next year. And the dad said, Atalanta. <laughs> not to be confused. Not to be confused with his older brother, Mylanta. Huh? 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 Right. All right, I'm done. That's it. Very nicely done. Ooh, okay. I or see Hotlanta. you doing that. All right. A little childish Gambino getting involved here. I got Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Something like that. All right, so make your picks. Who, who's going to survive this... Uh, bloodbath. I'll tell you what. I, despite some the of their uh, their spots. sketchy past, I, I'm kind of rooting for AC Milan to uh, to get through. Right? Um, it takes me back to my it takes me back to my days of playing Game Boy also... Advance SP, where I had a, a wonderful FIFA game where I played as Inzaghi and Shevchenko. So let me go with them. I will also take both of the Milan sides. Inter and plus, and Inter is going to be boosted Atlanta. next year when they acquire Luka Modric on transfer from uh, Real Madrid. So that'll help. I hope he's we paying them to play for them. Uh, do you want to move over to Ligue 1? So, Nothing of course, the happen. news of Ligue 1 is not that PSG has absolutely crushed the competition. Oh, no. It's that pretty boy, Neymar, took a swing at a fan. And uh, PSG lost the. This was actually during PSG the French Cup final on penalties, and uh, Neymar correct on goes, penalties. And he's he's walking through the fans, and he takes a swing at a fan, and that went about as well as you would expect it to do in the uh, social media age, where everybody's got a camera. They lost to something called Ren R E N N E S. Yeah, I could do a French accent, but I wouldn't even bother to waste it on that club because <laughs> here again. How does PSG lose to Rennes in 
<laughs> French Cup final. They got Mbappe and Neymar, and they lose a French Cup final. Are you kidding, kidding me? me? PSG is fantastic. No, exactly. Well, and again, another voice we won't hear. Ren is 12th in the league on standings. 12th! This is a horrible league. They're behind Strasbourg, Stade Rim, Nîmes, Marseille. I, I mean, th- like, they're barely findable on this table. And PSG have 88 points, and they, they won the league running away. And yet, here again, like, every time you think PSG has embarrassed themselves or come up small for the last time this season, i.e. their Champions League exit, yep. oh, no, they have something special waiting for you. And it's not bad enough they lose the match. But again, Neymar, enough, man. Enough. Like, you are starting to get to the point where you are more punchline than world superstar. It's getting to be not funny anymore for Neymar. I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds to say that. This guy took all this money to go to PSG, took himself out of any reasonable spotlight except for Champions League play, and now he's like a lost boy. He he he's not what he was. And okay, I'll do it. Let's talk about the Premier League. Where would Neymar walk into in the top four and be an automatic starter? Yeah, yeah, I would say Chelsea, Chelsea. possibly. Not uh, Spurs. Not City, know, man. And not Liverpool. Neymar. You don't know, man. Well, tell me who he no, knocks I'm, out I wouldn't, at City. I wouldn't, Is he going to take look at City. the Burroughs place? Tottenham would take Neymar. Yeah, because, well, Over I don't Kane? think Kane's going to stay. Over what they already have? So for next year, yeah. Also, like, well, can you're we assuming Kane is gone. Let's I'm, be honest I'm for a talking about these teams as they're con- season, currently constituted. I know constituted. that's a big if. You would take Harry Kane over Neymar? You can't no, assume no, no, that. Saying, if, you can't well, assume that. You can't that say it about Harry Kane either. So like let's let's so so let's. I think on balance, has been, but they've both Kane's been healthier than Neymar on if balance. If both guys are, per, are are fully healthy, they're fully fit for a season. Are you gonna honestly tell me that you would take Harry Kane over Neymar? If you're, you're, t- one are you're talking about one, one season, season or for the rest of their careers. Uh, right now, I would take Neymar by just the slightest margin. But if you're asking me to commit to one of these two guys for four years and some ungodly amount of money. And or to pay a ridiculous transfer to bring yep. them in, then I'll take Kane. That's fine. Because he's done it. In the well, I'd League like to never, see it. Neymar never has. I think I'd like to see Neymar at some point move to the EPL. As much as I, as much in the past as I've wanted to well, see Neymar, this point, you know, go to his former rival and and uh, shack up with Real Madrid. I think it would be interesting to see him make a move um, to England. He's playing his way out of that conversation, though. Like, at this point, if he continues to play the way he's playing and continue to make the headlines for all the wrong reasons, if you're, again, one of the top four or five... Let me propose a transfer to you. Let's go player for player swap. Neymar for Aiden Hazard. Well, Chelsea would do that because Hazard desperately wants to leave. But I'd prefer Hazard, if you're asking me. I I think, first of all, Hazard is healthy. Like, that dude shows up. He plays. Now, he doesn't always give his best effort, and sometimes he checks out, and sometimes he doesn't look like he wants to be mm-hmm. there, but at least he's available. I mean, Neymar, you know, you, you could have him for five weeks, uh, and then somebody comes in a little late, and he's out for three and a half months. And you can't really account for that. That's especially when 
you are depending on that name player to carry the show the way Chelsea depends on Azar, um, the way that Barcelona previously counted on Neymar and, and PSG to a degree does, although Mbappe is special. Um, if you're a manager, you can't really account for this uber superstar missing all this time. It's just not going to work. So, yeah, I, I mean, I want Azar ahead of Neymar. I don't think okay. it's close. I just thought I would throw a name out there that we know is uh, likely on the move. So there we are. Well, yeah. that's only because he wants to leave again. I all mean, these, all these guys and, always on a move. You know, move. God bless Ed Nazard. That's true because they always think the grass is greener. But here's the other thing too, right? The thing we never remember as sports fans and civilians is the gift belongs to the player, meaning they have lives to lead absent their mm-hmm. time on the pitch, right? And if you're Azard, um, he he's Belgian, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, he's seen enough of London uh, for not a lifetime, but certainly for a long time, right? Um, if he's the opportunity to now live in Spain for a while, why wouldn't he? Like, he's done his bit with Chelsea. They're not going to catch City. He knows it. So let's go to another league that I can go mm-hmm. and possibly dominate and possibly win a league. Yeah. That's easy. That's an easy choice for him. Um, all of these players, especially when the money is always going to be more or less equivalent, and all of them at the very top level are making money they can never spend in a lifetime or five. What's the point of being to a quote one Hillary Clinton? What difference point? does it make? Which see that? Yeah, something like that. I thought you were going to say Pokemon Go to the polls, which would they made keep no telling sense me about Pokemon? Pokemon Go. How about Pokemon Go to the polls? What I will say is that this makes what Aguero has done staying at City all that more remarkable, because. You can argue that Aguero didn't have a lot of other great options in Europe, but he has also continued to reinvent himself and rededicate himself to City's success in a way that allowed them to win four Accurate. league titles in eight seasons. And that's that's no joke. <laughs> that's a really hard league to win titles in. And I, I'm the first one to admit, the Premier League was not the greatest league in the world for the mm-hmm. last six years on. It's probably the greatest league in the world for the last 18 months or two years or whatever you want to say. So a couple of those titles when he won, they clearly weren't the best team and it wasn't the best league. Yeah. But he still got him to do it, and he did. Uh, and the goal he scores against QPR to get them their first title is probably the hardest goal to score. Everything after that has just been, you know, gilding the lily and creating his legend bigger and bigger and more significantly. And at this point, it's, you know, Aguero will probably finish his career somewhere else because all these guys do. Um, but it's going to be a hard day for any city supporter. Like, they're talking about Vincent Company. He's out of contract now. The question is, will they extend him? Well, we didn't talk about that, but yeah. If you want to get right down to it, the moment that probably decided the title was Company hitting the top corner against Leicester because Leicester had played City to a flat standstill for the better part of 70 minutes at the Etihad. And the nerves were palpable watching the match from 3,000 miles away on the television. People were frightened. They were nervous. Here we go again. You know, there's no way Liverpool loses to Wolverhampton, which turned out to be true. If we don't score, we're out. And company, to his credit, he's 30 yards from goal. No one closes him down because no one thinks he'll shoot. And he moves it eight yards closer. And it's a bullet in the top corner. And beat Schmeichel, who to that point had played a perfect match. And frankly, he's not to, at fault for the goal that company scored on him. Um, you know, 
they used to say Captain Leader Legend with John Terry, but John Terry was a bum and a scumbag and a really philanderer feel? and all kinds of terrible things. Nobody, nobody's, well, how much time do you have? Valentine Company is not any of those things. He's one of the most intelligent, articulate, bright, happy, smiling, friendly people in all of world football. Like, you would have to spend a lot of time and a lot of miles to find anybody who has a bad word to say about company. And for him to score that goal at the end of this contract and what might be the end of his tenure at City, when he has been fairly well marginalized because of injury and because of age, it's the stuff of legends. And, you know, God bless him. It's an unbelievable moment. And it's the sort of thing he can take into retirement whenever that comes, be it next season or three seasons from now, or if he does an MLS tour, who knows what. Um, that's a special goal, and it was scored by a special player. And on a team with Aguero and Bernardo Silva and Sterling and all of these prolific, dangerous players, for them to get the only goal of that match from company. Yep, I agree 100%. I think it's time to move on to our final segment of the show. Getting to be my favorite Philadelphia Union Minute. I am really going to – the way you have eaten some dirt over Tottenham Hotspur and what they have done since you declared them to be a fraud and a waste of time. You know, I I named this – as the producer of the show, I named this segment Union, Union, Union Minute because I really thought it was clever. I thought Union Minute, like that's all they deserve. That's all they are. And 10 years' worth of quasi-futility is going to prove me right once again. Russ, where Union are, are on the top of the days? table, my friend. They are second in the Supporter Shield standings. Oh dear, you were oh very dear. wrong. Yeah, I missed this one by a lot. Um, <laughs> they yep. have twenty-three goals yep. in twelve matches. Are you kidding? That's the most goals for now, mind you, in the entire mind you, they, six, now, of course, six of them were against the Revolution. Yeah, six uh, of them were against Rebels. New England. So that a <laughs> little bit of a qualifier. Fair enough. There, yeah. And the Reds are dead last. But let's put that aside. Let's put that aside. 23 goals for. And by the way, very few of those goals scored by who? Mark. Uh, oh, by David Akam. The guy they just sold. That's correct. <laughs> Erstwhile. Special signing for whom, like, Twitter was agog and Philadelphia Union social media was saying, look at what we've done. We've signed David Akam. Well, we barely knew ye. <laughs> because they spent a yep. million dollars on him and they sold him for half a million. Typical Union business. But you know what? I-, I feel terrible. I'm throwing ashes on what they've done. It's unfair. This Union side, not just hanging a 6-1 on the Revs. That was the bigger thing. They went to Toronto. You know, and this is part of the problem, though. Toronto. Is a lot of people prayed that Philly would beat Toronto and didn't specify in their request to God that it was going to be the Sixers. Yeah, so, which league? Oh, by the way, league. Phil, uh, Woj, whoa, hey, yeah, I, Woj, I was all, with a big I was report here, Brett Brown quickly. will return as 76ers coach next season. Managing partner Josh Harris told ESPN Monday night. Uh, Tobias Harris, or I'm sorry, Josh Harris, Elton Brand, and uh, Brett Brown met today to discuss offseason priorities, including draft and free agency. I'm going to work on a post while you talk about the union. Well, all I'll say about that is that uh, until the Sixers lost game seven last night, I was spring loaded on a tweet that was going to say, well, don't worry, Toronto. 
at least you have the Blue Jays to look forward to. So it's your fault. Summer. Um, so it's that tweet, your fault. That tweet, <laughs> that's right. That tweet died you on the vine. Son of was not sent. Um, and if you'd have told me, Russ, if you'd have told me eighteen months ago that the Sixers head coach, who again I won't name, it's beneath me, would lose a second consecutive second round series with the better roster and be brought back, and that Jim Curtin would be leading the Union to the top of the Eastern Conference table. I would have asked you where you put your meds, and I would have told you that I loved you, and I would have told you that life was worth living. And yet, yep. here we are. Here we are, are, my friend. Get ready for it. Get ready. Your <sighs> team, your town, your union. Uh, to get back to the union uh, in, in my mental space for a moment, um, it, it really has been encouraging to see the way that this team has, has managed to overcome a lot of injuries to top players. If you had told me before the season that they would overcome injuries to Marco Fabian, that they would trade da- uh, David Akam for, I think, all, all things considered, what was a, um, a pretty solid amount of allocation money plus an international spot, and that you would overcome you know, an Andre Blake injury, and you would get good play out of, uh, out of both Cornell and, and Freeze in, in net, I would have told you you were absolutely bonkers. Um, but this, this has been a, a very resilient group, and I've got to tip my cap to, uh, to two guys. One, Ernst Tanner, who has done a remarkable job since taking over for Ernie Stewart. He's essentially correcting a lot of the wrongs. It's almost akin to when Chip Kelly went and tried to make uh, wide-sweeping personnel changes, and then Howie Roseman came right back in and, yep. and righted a, a lot of wrongs. That, yep. that, to me, is what Ernst Tanner is doing. You think about Ernst Tanner going into third division Germany to find a left back named Kai Wagner and what kind of dividends that has paid. Uh, it, it really is incredible. Now, while there have been some questionable decisions, um, including like Derek Jones being a guy who was part of the national team, um, at a, at a younger or at a, a younger level, him not being able to get into the squad, and now he gets transferred to uh, Nashville on loan. It looks like he's his days as part of a member of the uh, Philadelphia Union organization are likely over. I mean, they they're doing such a great job of uh, of kind of you know getting the most out of guys who are typically on the fringes or on the periphery of of uh, professional soccer, and and they're they're getting real contributions. I mean, finding um, Hamir Montero. And now, by virtue of the uh, uh, com deal going through, it's, it sounds like they're going to be able to lock up Montero, which will be big. They find a guy like Shabelko at the end of last season who's done – Casper Shabelko. he's not your friendly ghost. He's just your uh, your friendly neighborhood giant who can go and, and – uh, I'm glad and, you said uh, that name because you know, I would have been butcher on that a, name. On a header. You see a guy like Sergio Santos who came from South America who was – you know, pretty much an unknown guy who I can tell you after ever having interviewed him in person, he is a large guy with broad shoulders and, and he is an intimidating dude. He's got all the size, speed and strength that you would ever hoped you would have gotten out of CJ Sapong or as I compared him to uh, um, as a target forward on uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin. He He's like everything that you between he and Shabilko, they're like everything you had hoped that Fernando Aristigueta would have been, but like a lot faster and a lot more skilled. So. It's been it's been really something, and once you get back guys like Marco Fabian, um, and and you get them into this mix once they're healthy, and uh, whenever Corey Burke gets back from his uh, visa issue that Kevin said uh, apparently per a source or per two sources was a failed drug test, I think once you get guys like that back, you've got a a uh, an abundance of riches. Uh, what's the what's the phrase? Surplus? Of, is it surplus of riches? A surplus. 
I said that I said that first. No, an it's abundance. A, I feel like it's a negative sounding word. Uh, an embarrassment of riches. That was it. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We figured. Well, if anyone know, would know when embarrassment is the right time um, to speak, no, but seriously, it, like they you. they have been a, a pretty darn good team, and you know Jim Curtin putting Jake Elliott in as one of the the center backs or Jack Elliott, not Jake Elliott, Jack Elliott. Jeez Louise. It's so late. Jack, Elliott, man, Jake, Jake Elliott, man. He's so good at kicking field goals. Just to make him a center back. No, but like Jack Elliott getting, uh, reinserted, reinstalled as a, uh, as a center back. I know you're I doing too many I sports. I mean, sure. Ray Gattis is still there, but like eventually they're going to have to hand over the, uh, the spot to him by. So anyway, I- I've been very encouraged. Well, you're here, you're here reading the whole roster, but let's be candid. Like trusty, uh, Ray Gaddis, who you just mentioned, uh, Jack Elliott, and Wagner have started 10 of 12 matches, and a couple of those guys have started all 12. For the Union to be keeping all of these, maybe not clean sheets, but certainly low-voltage sheets, and winning all these matches with those guys on the back line, I think it's incredible, and it speaks to the talent they have up front. They're able to hold the ball up a little bit more. But Curtin is getting more out of these guys. It's, it's your classic whole larger than the sum of the parts situation with these these defenders. Deserves a lot of credit. And as long as he can keep this going, we might actually see a home playoff game at Talon. No, can you I can't. Believe I won't imagine it until imagine? it happens. But boy, would it be nice to see the Union, after all these years of mediocrity, manage to host a playoff game. It would be cool. And, and look, unlike most seasons in the past where the Union start off super cold, get warm in the summer, and then you know fall off a cliff in, in the fall. The fact that they're able to uh, to string together some wins, now granted against a lot of you know poor to mediocre MLS quality teams, you go, you go, yeah, exactly, you go but on But those the were road. matches you they didn't only, use to you win. You only play the teams that you play, right? And get the results that you get against those teams. But you go to Toronto and beat them in Toronto, that's a, that's a match that quite frankly, the Union have never been able to win. So, tip of the cap to them. And who are you scared You're of? You're afraid really? of teams in the West. Um, DC United. You're afraid of Montreal. the LA teams, but but yeah, I know within the conference. Eh. Well, for sure. But I'm talking about the Eastern Conference. I mean, Atlanta United. We talked about this on the last show. Martino Atlanta United is not the whole what thing they were before. Um, yeah. Well, they I'm they wrong. lost yeah. uh, players too. It wasn't just the the manager, but the but the point is. It's not the conference that it's been before where they're getting kicked in the teeth over and over again by Toronto and NYCFC and DC United and these other clubs. They can hold their own. They, they've already done it, and they can continue to. And look, you don't have to ask that much to host a playoff game. You just have to finish fourth. Right now they're first. So just do what you're doing, right? Don't overreach. Don't try to be more than you are. Continue to keep it simple. Beat these bad teams like Orlando City and FC Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati, I can't take it. Um, and Red Bulls were having a bad year. Just continue to hang numbers on them and hold your spot. And let's see how it plays out. Because once you get to the playoffs, man, anything can happen. That That's the primary difference. You know, American sports and their love for playoffs. You can't uh, fluke it in the Premier League or any of the European leagues. You have to win the league based on your results over the course of the season. Just get into the goddamn tournament if you're the union and see how it plays out, yep. especially if your guys are healthy Absolutely and in right. form. And guess what, my friend, we actually have a winning team in Philadelphia and it's not just the Phillies. It's the Philadelphia union. <sighs> Who Beautiful. that? Beautiful, man. Exactly. I think that's a good spot to, uh, to end the show today. All right. 
So, yeah, uh, you know, thanks as always to people else. listening to uh, Crossing Bright FC. By the way, Phil, the uh, listening audience continues to grow, which is nice. Uh, we, of course, will be back next week with a, another show. And uh, we're, we're getting ourselves ready for the Champions League final. It's going to be exciting. Uh, cha- we'll cover Champions and Europa League. How about we do that? That'll be fun. And uh, we'll start transitioning into some of the other leagues uh, that, that uh, you know, haven't gotten as much look. Uh, usually we talk about the Eredivisie. We talk about the J-League. We're going to skip it today. But next week, we'll get back to uh, some leagues. So let us know if there are some leagues that you are interested in, in hearing more about. We will uh, start to transition to those now that uh, the English season is over. The Bundesliga has one week left. Serie A and Liga are both done, and so is La Liga in terms of uh, those races. Let us know. And uh, we'll cater our programming to you, the listener. In the meantime, go check the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossing Broadcast, where Kevin Kincaid and I did a uh, a post mortem of the Philly or the uh, the Sixers season and debuted a new soundboard. Yes, that's right. For those of you who are interested in soccer, go check out "It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia" with Kevin Kincaid, as he uh, has a rotating panel or a rotating uh, series of guests on his show. I was on the last episode with him, and the uh, ratings went up. Phil, can you believe that? crazy crazy how that kind of thing works out um i absolutely but go check it. that out um uh there's also snow the goalie if you're a hockey fan anthony sanfilippo and i uh covering the flyers will be doing a breakdown of all of the assistant coaches that the flyers hired and continue our off-season outlook of course crossed up if you're a phillies fan that's bob and anthony and they've uh, been doing a, a great job as always giving you the best content related to the philadelphia phillies And there's one show left, Phil, and that's Broadlines, which is the sports betting podcast hosted by Kyle Scott and uh, usually Jason Zernicki, sometimes Bob. um, But it is a a really good spot to go check out to uh, to learn about the the sports betting trends on some of the biggest games of the week. So make sure you go check that out. And of course, while we are still available on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and trying to think there's and on the art 19 platform we are very happy to say that all the shows on the crossing broad podcast network are now available on spotify so if you are uh, playing on the ps4 you're getting a little Fortnite in maybe you're getting a little fifa maybe a little uh, 2k you can pull up spotify and listen to the dulcet tones of phil Kaidel coming through your tv it's a good like tottenham hotspur the world is just All right. waiting. So for Phil, yes. who you can find on Twitter, at Phil Kydell. That's K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kydell. I'm Russ, at Joy on Broad. Follow us on Twitter. Our links and the links to uh, to all the different platforms that you can find these shows and all the other shows. All of those things are linked in the description to this show. Follow us on Twitter. Keep the conversation going. For Phil, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Crossing Broad FC, the only Philadelphia-based international football podcast.